Joel White here, host of the Rams in White podcast. We're going to be speaking about business, property and finance, talking with industry experts, property professionals, investors, developers, entrepreneurs, and ultimately how to grow, scale and build momentum in your business. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Rams in White Business Property and Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel White. Uh, founder and Group Managing Director of Rams and & White and it's a pleasure to be here with you today uh, in popular demand with my uh, good friend and business partner Paul Davis. Uh, for those of you who don't know Paul, he is the Head of Bridging and Commercial uh, at Rams & White. He's also a partner in many of the businesses uh, I'm involved in, the group at Rams & White, if, I think, if not all of the businesses to be honest. And um, and he also runs um, and is a partner in our investment company. So. Uh, me and Paul and Dean have, have built a mortgage brokerage together. Um, we've also um, got an accountancy firm, an estate agency with Jay Herbert over over there at Ramsey White Estate Agents, and now Ramsey White Wealth Management. So uh, that's the pensions and investment side of things. So I deal with a lot of the pensions and investment side of things, commercial finance. Uh, Paul does a lot of the development finance work for our investors, and again works with the portfolio. So we're here today to introduce you to Paul and talk about more today not so much about the finance what we do for our clients but more about how we've built our portfolio over the last 20 months and what Paul's been up to so a bit of a long intro but hey Paul welcome to the show. Uh, thank you Joel and good afternoon everyone. Thank you thanks for joining us so Paul you don't normally do this sort of thing do you you're normally in the trenches doing deals raising development finance and you're probably one of the most passionate people I know in this industry um, and you work so hard and that's testament to the results you get for your clients right so of an unusual setup today. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I'd rather hide behind the camera than actually be on a camera. But uh, you go, let's see what happens. Let's hopefully I can give people the um, knowledge and experience that we've got now as a company across all the companies and more importantly, learn from people's mistakes. Absolutely. And I think we've done a lot of deals over the last five years plus where we've seen deals go well, deals not go so well and we always try and learn from it, don't we? And try and move that forward into our own businesses and onto our clients as well. Massively, I think it's always important, as they say, practice where you preach. And we put plenty of practice in for for clients, working with lenders, working on deals. And now we're actually doing ourselves, which has been an experience in itself over the last two years, especially with the magic word COVID as well. But we've managed to um, battle through the COVID issue and uh, build a nice little portfolio and we'll continue to do so. Yeah, so so both me and Paul have invested in property before. Correct. We, we knew what we were probably doing or we knew kind of what we are doing, but um, we hadn't had formal education or worked in finance a long time. So, we, you know, you had a port, small portfolio of buy-to-lets, you had a commercial unit as well within the family business. I had a um, couple of buy-to-lets, which I subsequently sold. And you, I think you, I believe you still retained yours, but we spoke about for a while, JVing and building a portfolio and taking this knowledge and income uh, and understanding on how to build that type of business and, and ultimately do it together, wasn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I bought at the worst possible time in the last uh, recession, three properties, one with myself, my brother, and a good friend of mine. But luckily we were all in full-time work to push through the bad times of that as well. And yeah, we built that portfolio ourselves. We joined forces after you turned me down about three or four times <laughs> not to be uh, 
a business partner in the property business, which is quite a funny story, and I'll lead on to that in time. Yeah. And then for those who don't know you, Paul, obviously I'll give an introduction, but like we will come into the portfolio in a minute, but what does a day look like in in, in your life in, in running the businesses and what, what do you get up to in terms of getting terms together for clients, working on deals, looking at deals, etc.? So if I tell you my story, but uh, obviously my missus has got a different uh, story to what does my day in the life of Paul Davis mean. <laughs> um, so yeah, it can start from seven o'clock in the morning and it can finish at 12 o'clock in the night. I know we've spoke about it many times, I think in the early years of setting up the businesses, we were working bloody 16, 17 hour days on some days, seven days a week. And to be honest, I think even with the portfolio, the way it's grown as well, that's taken a lot of um, time up as well. And now I can probably reflect on it and say, okay, that was worth it. But during the last two years of building the portfolio, I can definitely say there was some story, sometimes you probably didn't realize what pain we were going through, but that's all part and parcel of being business partners and getting to the end goals, I guess, do you know what I mean? The Rams and White podcast is proudly sponsored by TFG Capital, a non-regulated short-term finance lender able to deal with intermediaries, landlords, investors, and developers across the UK. With a strong appetite to lend and the ability to fund bridging loans within a matter of days, TFG will find a lending solution that's exactly tailored to the client's requirements for either investment purchase, refinances, release of equity or refurbishments. With hands-on senior leadership team deeply experienced in real estate finance, they can offer a unique service to take on challenges other lenders often can't. Lending decisions are based on the security and not the serviceability, financial performance or credit reports. If you're looking for business-related cash flow to refinance or add to your property portfolio or require funding for your next development and would like to find out more, feel free to contact the team today on 0800 061 4834 or email sales at tfgcapital.co.uk. In terms of like, like you said, putting the hours in, working hard, where, where do you see, because you know, we see a lot of people come together and want a JV. But in your opinion, what makes a good JV work? Because we, like you said, asked a few times and we analysed it. I'm a spreadsheet kind of person overthinking you're an action taker, you know, a, a good visionary, uh, very good with numbers. You, you hold every, a lot of information in your head, uh, which I have it all written down or stored somewhere. But what what, do, what makes a good JV to, to you? Because we see so many in this business when people come to us. Uh, to yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, you go on social media today and you probably see about 50 or 60 people trying to set up JV partnerships. Do you know what I mean? Does it work? Absolutely not. Have we got some horror stories? Absolutely. Are we still seeing horror stories? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think it took you time and probably myself time to trust each other and what we deliver. Do you know what I mean? Even with the finance business, um, that sort of took its toll to get into a proper partnership. And obviously that's flourish massively and i think the same with the property as well um it's taking time like you said you trust me i trust you and it is starting to deliver now because you've been hassling me for figures for the past three weeks and that's probably my weakest point <laughs> so as you can see by the figures as you always say the figures don't lie so yeah it definitely takes time jv partnerships whoever's listening just don't just dive into them guys do i mean do your research do your due diligence credit checks, have they got any cash? Do you know what I mean? These are really important things to JVs. And what do you bring? Do you know what I mean? I think we different types of personality, myself and you, Joel. Um, 
but we both want the same results, which is obviously the key as well. I think that's where um, we're good together and and what are we achieving? We're achieving it together, which is important as well. Like yeah, so I think you both got the same goals as well. Yeah, I think that's really key. The the trust, um, the ability to push and pull one another, but ultimately reaching the same goal, which is have a successful, robust business, which you know provides the lifestyle that we want and obviously for the families, etc. So I I'm in full agreement. And I think another point on there is if you're looking to JV, don't be afraid to ask the tough questions like if things go wrong. Like, for example, I got hit by a bus or I didn't want to be in the business anymore. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? What, what, how do we deal with that? And having them conversations up front in any business can help you know where the land lies when an unfortunate event can happen. Um, again, we've seen this happen in, in many different businesses from you know, our networking we do and our client base. Um, we've got over 2,500 clients on the on the books now who kind of um, have trusted us to help them. So, you know, we see a lot of funding requirements and a lot of uh, understanding of what goes goes into making a successful business, whether that's trading or, you know, SPVs for, for investment. Cool. Let's dive into the portfolio then. So why why did you want to build a portfolio? Paul? What, what was it, you know? What was it? Just doing so many deals for other people. What what made you kind of wanna? Yeah, no. So I've always been uh, since I had the family business and builders used to come into the shop and tell me what they're doing and the money they were making. That's always been interesting to me. Back probably the best part of twenty five years. Um, so I tried to build a small portfolio. Um, and it's, it's pretty good now. But obviously, it's due to the credit crunch. Fast forward to um, 2019, 2020, um, I had a bit of money behind me then as well. So I thought, right, okay, let's dive into a limited company to set up called Pod. So it's Paul, Oshan, Debbie and Delith. That's my family. Um, and the, the the company was set up for the, the family. Do you know what I mean? That was the reason to leave. I wouldn't say legacy. I don't really like that word. Do you know what I mean? Personally, um, just to build up a portfolio and hopefully hand it on to my children um, when the time comes, do you know what I mean? But obviously that changed because you got involved. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pod, pod with a J. So it's now called, as a family joke, it's called Podge. So it's Paul, Arshan, Derby, Delith and Joel. And we are 50% shareholders, me and you. Nothing yeah. to do with Debbie, nothing to do with Oshan, <laughs> and nothing to do with Dallas. But like you said, you don't like the word legacy, but you know, it ultimately when, you know, you know, as we get older, whatever, and things get passed down, that you know, they will have access to that, their share of that business or your share. Well, that's up to you, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's correct. We, always, we joke, don't we? So yeah. I, I wish my dad left me a portfolio property. Yeah, of course. We've had, yeah, we've had many discussion around it. And like you said, we're good mates now, but things do change yeah. and can change quickly. But we've got everything in place to make sure that everybody, we, the both of us are looked after for what we put such hard work into yeah, as well. Like. Exactly. And you can, even though our goals are very similar and we want what's best for our families and business, I think, you know, what we keep doing is keep educating ourselves. So with the financial planning and the wealth management, the accountancy, <coughs> we're looking at like tax structures, investment trusts, and, you know, how do we do it in an efficient way, but also through have the right lending, doesn't impact. You're speaking about that today with a holding company over the trade, over that, over that business. So we're always looking at ways to improve it. Um, you know, and the reason for me building a, portfolio one with Paul because Paul was absolutely fantastic what he does you know his work ethics second to none and his knowledge has grown phenomenally over the last few years so we learn from each other which has been great 
Um, but ultimately, it's about how to make a business more robust. And you know, we've got a number of trading companies, and we've helped so many clients in that space. We've done over 500 million in lending in that time, and we've helped some clients build some phenomenal portfolios, where you know, multi-million pound portfolios, which are providing <coughs> really decent incomes and has changed their lives. So for us, it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to have that. But at the same time, how do we make our business more robust? Well, it's another income generating asset. Um, and it is an asset in itself, which has the potential to appreciate in value. So that's transferable in the sale later on or transfer to, to whoever. So that, that's one of the reasons I did it. And you know, I love them. love business, very passionate about it. So love property as an asset class. So want to talk about the portfolio a little bit then, Paul. Yeah. Uh, so we've done some deals before previously to pod and now we've got into to so set up pod about nearly two years ago. In terms of like, yeah, it was just as COVID is hitting, it was because obviously there's a bit of a story behind the first one as well. Yeah. Um, I was I was buying that myself in pod developments, but obviously the market tanked due to um, the lenders pulling out to the market, and so I was buying it for around about fifty five k, I think, at the time as a repossession. Um, but the lender pulled, uh, I pulled out on a deal due to panic stations basically, COVID lenders, etc., which only lasted in the end for like 72 hours, um, which is quite funny. And yeah, so we bought the first one then um, for 50K, I think it was. Yeah, so 50, Woodland, 50 Street. Woodland Street. Yeah. 50K, couldn't get that for 50K now, could you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I think on average in the street, obviously is pretty much local to where I live. Um, I think it's about 75, 80K, the cheapest one at the moment. Uh, yeah. For a do it up as they say so uh, yeah happy days on that one i think we've seen the the prices go up in that area about 34 percent over the last couple of years and obviously that was a fixer upper yeah um which is one of the highest growths uh in the market across the uk 34 yeah you know, yeah it's, crazy it's phenomenal to see um you know which is which i guess it's good for us so that was for 50k we had it valued at 110k yeah once the work was done yeah. Um, anything you learned about doing that project? Yeah, massively. Yeah, definitely to um, avoid dodgy builders. Do you know what I mean? I was a key for that one. Yeah. Um, some builders started on it, but due to a number of issues, yeah. a number of lies. Luckily, they don't realise that I pretty much live local to every property we own, so I'm always up that house to check on it. Yeah. And yeah, we got done over probably about for about four or five grand in the end on that one. New builder come in, finished it off. Mm. But as you said, the growth was there anyway due to the um, the cost we bought it for. So we recycled all our cash. And that was actually, even though I've probably done, well, bloody 200 bridging deals since mm. we started, that was our first actual deal with bridging finance. Yeah. So panic stations it was, to be honest. But um, we put it all together, got in and got out of the deal, paid the bridging finance out and probably transformed the way we look at deals ourselves as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, agreed. And I think, like you said, and I, I you know, appreciate your honesty there, Paul, because you're there dealing with it and you know, you've got to go, Joel, we've got a dodgy builder here, we're getting done over. But I think what we learned from that is not only do you do diligence on the area, the property, but also the people you're going to be working with. So when you've got a builder telling you they're unbelievable and they can do X, Y, and Z and they can do it for next to nothing, then what due diligence have you done on them? Have you looked on the company's house, on their website? Have they come from a referral, their work they've done? Because all these things have a factor into um, the impact or outcome of the, of the de development. And I guess for us, Definitely. all we wanted to do is build strong relationships <coughs> with a decent team that could deliver and we always want to look after them as well then, isn't it? They'll constantly be at work and yeah. our projects will grow and the business grows, right? 
Well, definitely things happen for a reason, as they always say. Do you know what I mean? Just go back to what you said there, Joel. The original quote was uh, 15,000. I do actually remember you laughing at me um, and saying you sure has 15 grand. Yeah. And uh, fast forward, I think it was about five months in the end, it cost us 28 grand. Yeah. So yeah, um, do your due diligence, be careful who you work with. But like I said, things do happen for a reason. Yeah. Um, we brought another builder in on that job and um, something happened on the next deal with that builder. But then we finally found a good builder on the second deal then, who now does all our projects, do you know what yeah. I mean? So we built that relationship and we knew what we wanted. Yeah. He, we know his expectations of us and we know he knows our expectations of him. Exactly. Of what we want to achieve, basically. So, yeah. okay, so the good thing about that deal though, the first one, and the last thing I'll say on it is, it was tenanted like that, because we got yeah. to where it needed to be, and she's still, that tenant's still in there, happy, yeah. income coming in. I always say this, like, properties, you get excited by property, then, it's painful when you're doing it. Yeah. And definitely. then when the rent's coming in and that and they're paying the rent, it's oh I wanna do another one. It's like a yeah. it's like in the moment it's like, oh I'm never doing profit again. But then when you get to see that income you're like, okay, I actually could do another deal. And then suddenly a double deal comes about because you're the person buying property in the area. Yeah, the thing for me I think is the more satisfaction is the end result when you see um I'll send some videos and photos of when we bought it, mm. but then the end result when it's put back together. And we have done some really great projects. We have, um, I know they'll all be on blogs or whatever on social media, but some of them have been absolutely terrible, do you know what I mean? Um, and to see them brought back to life has been pretty cool, yeah. Absolutely. I think there's a vlog on our YouTube channel, so check that out. Uh, Will, who, who works in the company as well, put up a vlog, uh, and me and Paul just go around to check out some of the projects, and one of them's actually, or two of them are finishing out as well, so I agree. One of them's like, had no stairs. Yeah. yeah when I went now, I was like, well, what have we bought? But actually, it's phenomenal, the transformation. Uh, so credit to you and, and the builder. So, yeah. right, next deal then, 15 Streamer Street. I remember this well, because we were both up there doing yeah. the gardening, weren't we? We were like, the, guard, the view is yeah. amazing up in the valleys, um, but we actually did the, I did think, the work. I think that was your second trip to the lovely Mountain Ash. Yeah. Um, and there was a beautiful summer's day as well when the work was being carried out so you could see all across the valley. Yeah, yeah, cracking a little deal come through with the estate agent at the time. Um, I think we paid 60 grand, 60 odd grand for it. Yeah. Um, and then spent about 70 grand or so, and they revalued up at 90, 100 grand. Nice and easy deal, easiest deal that we've yeah. done. It was. That lovely little deal. I remember yeah. being like, I could live in this property. Yeah, <laughs> and funny enough, I was out on the weekend and the tenant, I always see the tenant when I go out and he always asks, do you want a pint, do you want a pint? Because he's so grateful mm. of um, giving him- put together Yeah, the garden, yeah. <laughs> and the, giving him a, a nice place to live as well, like, do you know what I mean? So, that goes a long way in what you were saying in the beginning. Do you know what I mean? What's your sort of, what does it mean to people after it? Like, so two different things in the first two properties. One is the finished article, but two is I see the tenant on the second one and he's always very grateful, always wants to buy me a pint, which is good um, to say that he's living in a nice house. Like, do you know what I mean? I think on that deal, did, was that the deal? Because I just want to touch base on the finance side of things as well, because uh, you know, if you're listening in and you're an investor, you wanting to get into investment and you might have a bit of capital, you know, you might want to do the buy, refer, refinance model. You've been told about bridging, but you don't really understand it. A lot of our clients, when they first hear about it, think it's a dirty word and, you know, only, you only use it if, if, you're, if your back's against the wall. But actually, a lot of investors use bridging to get in and out of deals, buying deals that need uh, dilapidated, need work or converting from HMO, commercial to residential, buying an auction and all this good stuff. So, um, 
I wanted to talk a bit about the funding and you know private funding and stuff. So I think was that deal? Did we use the we, we worked with a couple of investors? That was a SaaS fund. Was it that one or was that the next? No, one? no. So that, them first two Woodland Street and Stream Street were bridge and finance. Yeah. So it was rinse and repeat to the same lender, yeah, which is great. Lender, yeah, yeah, private lender yeah. That we use. Yeah. And then the next couple of deals. This is where I guess a bit uh, a bit juicy, as I like to say, because we we had a couple of deals on the go at one time. So yeah. So okay, let's try jump into them. So we've basically used bridging initially plus our own capital to get into them first two deals. We recycled our capital. We paid off the bridging lender. Yeah. They're happy. We were a bit nervous because we were doing the deals, um, but actually excited because you know we're bringing some an asset back to life and getting it tenanted and it's going to add income to that business, which is what we wanted. Yeah. Then we found another deal. Just on the deals at the moment, how are we finding them? You know, is it estate agents? Well, I remember we started getting quite a nice deal flow, didn't we? Yeah, so, so the next deal we talk about, 36 Micron Street, there's quite a good story behind this because I actually secured the deal um, a year before we actually completed on it through a deal sourcer. So guys, anybody listening, just be careful. And if you're a deal sourcer, listen as well, do you know what I mean? Because what they what, didn't... What, sorry to interrupt, what you learn about Paul, he's straight talking and he hasn't meant his words, but I think yeah. that's why a lot of people you know, appreciate your advice because just how it is. Yeah, of course. Why Why wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? Because ultimately your client is also going to be your best friend. Do you know what I mean? And you're going to do multiple deals. We don't just want one transaction. We want multiple deals. We want to build relationships. So this relationship ended pretty quickly, but good for me because I we bought it. So I had secured it before uh, Pod was really set up with a deal sourcer. Um, but what she failed to tell me is there was a vulnerable tenant in there and it took a year for it to move out and obviously COVID played this part by there as well. So looking back on it, you can imagine I was a bit uh, peed off with uh, not getting the correct information from the deal sourcer. Um, but fast forward a year, the property value had gone up already before we bought it. So we paid um, 56K for it and Joel, I think you secured the um, SAS pension. Yeah funder as well from one of your clients yeah so basically uh an investor i knew who was uh also he invested in loads of different asset classes and he had a, a SaaS uh pension in the background which basically gives you more control on where you want to invest your money and he was actively investing with uh investors so he asked us about what we were doing um and we showed him some stuff and uh gave him the opportunity to to lend to our business uh pod developments and um help grow the portfolio and help get a better return than he was already seeing, which we achieved for him. And he was happy with the progress reports, the outcome, and ultimately the return on his investment. And so it was a real win-win situation, um, which was, uh, you know, it was quite cool, wasn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. It was um, our first experience of borrowing private finance, obviously, as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it went smoothly. They were happy as well. Just to give the guys listening, um, a little bit of information on this now as well. So we've got 36 Myron Streets, and I know you're going to talk about sort of 65 Mill Street and Rosemont Cottage as well, but I think this is what people have got to be careful and they don't realise it because what I find is when you've got one deal, then it's easy to find another deal, do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, these other two deals landed on our lap. Mm. So we had 36 Myron Street under um, private finance, 65 Mill Street under private finance and Rose Cottage, Rosemont Cottage under private finance as well. So that was quite uh, a pressurised situation because we've had we got three deals 
and these, all these properties needed full renovation as well. So um, I wouldn't advise it again. I wouldn't, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But where we were trying, I always say to Joel and I that we look for like every three or four months we buy a new deal. But looking back on it now, it was the best thing we ever done because we built our portfolio quickly. But there was a lot of pressure at one time because I was juggling a number of issues with the three deals, do you know what I mean? Um, but obviously, fast forward now, we just refinanced the last one, which is Rosemont Cottage. Um, and we're in a really strong position now, but um, that probably 12 month period with three deals on the go yeah. and full guts was quite... Uh, What's the biggest lesson you take away from it? Um, would I do it again? Yeah, of course I would. You know what I mean? You would do it again. The biggest lesson I learned is try not to get too involved in the projects. Yeah. Um, I always like to know everything or what's going on. Do you know what I mean? I'll probably pop up in the night, opposite the night, nine o'clock at night to see if the plumbers fit to the bathroom or they've had a delivery of plasterboards or something. If they haven't, I'm on the phone going a bit mental on the builder, what's going on, you haven't done this. So yeah, try not to get too involved in the projects and pay that little bit of extra money, which you did advise to do, but I refused to do that because mm. we were building a portfolio mm. um, for a project manager. Well, I also said you should take some money if you're going to do it as well, some additional money, because it's stressful when the time it takes. And, you know, whilst that was going on, we're going through COVID and we're still trying to run the mortgage business. We didn't have anyone on furlough. We're trying to generate leads. We're trying to submit business. We're trying to keep people's deals like bridging loans where bridging lenders are pulling out the market, putting that all in place so their businesses didn't go over and could keep moving forward. Yeah. And trying to keep uh, two investors happy. Uh, no, well, actually, this time we paid one investor, so it was one other investor. No, so actually, two investors happy. Yeah. Keep our builder paid. You know, you're ultimately trying to make sure I'm happy and not in the in with all that sort of stuff and get the projects delivered. So yeah. hats off to you that you've you done it. Um, yeah. So I guess it, it all comes down to, you know, when we look at wealth management, it's your risk profile, like your attitude to risk. You know, you low risk, high risk. I'd say Paul's like medium to high risk. Um, he likes taking the risk, but he also will calculate like his his time the return on investment does the deal work and always delivers you know always delivers that then projects actually come out looking amazing straight away tenanted investors pay back both want to work with us again and also gives the opportunity to again working with private funders bridging lenders a bit of our own capital and just a bit of juggling but like you said got that portfolio where it needed to be in a short yeah. space of time i think another big lesson for us for me as well i think we've had this conversation before is is never try and borrow more money than you actually got. Do you know what I mean? I think on the first one we borrowed like 50K, but we know we had 50K in the bank account between us. And by the time we got to sort of, um, I think it was borrowing the three properties, we had enough money in a number of bank accounts to pay the investor back if things went wrong. And I think that's the biggest lesson. Mm. I think it is really is the biggest lesson to any new investors or any experienced investors as well don't bite off more than you can chew. And if something goes wrong, especially in today's market, now we're, let's be honest about it, we're all waiting for a crash. Will it happen? We don't know. But if you're in for half a million or a million quids worth of borrowing from private finance and bridging, and you haven't got a pot there to cover that if something goes wrong, even at a 10% crash, then you're automatically going to be facing challenges. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So just be mindful of that. Like. Yeah, I'd, I'd add to that as well. It's really good to um 
understand the, the legal position when you're borrowing money because I think sometimes people just think you know they get excited to tell people they're in property yeah. someone who wants to be in property says oh, I'd love to do that but you know I've got the time so here's some cash what what does that mean if the if they want their money back like is that secured against the property is it unsecured you know is it secured against your residential you know you need to take good counsel from a, a lawyer solicitor who operates in this space um you know, your accountant, financial advisor, and you know, you're looking at the best case scenario, but also what's the worst case scenario? What if this deal fundamentally goes wrong? What the position does that leave you in? Definitely. Um, and you need to factor that in because at the end of the day, if you treat it like a business, you will do that. And then you can mitigate any risk. And that's only what our lenders do. They want to lend to you. They've got loads of liquidity, uh, cash available to lend, but um, they mitigate that risk by asking a lot of questions and making you go through a few hoops to understand that, okay, I can lend to this person, knowing that the money's going to come back to me or as a high percentage will come back to me and you should do your own due diligence and research on on borrowing money which is what we've gone through isn't it that agreed yeah definitely and like i said you have so many courses or something you can get no money down deals etc but you still always got to have some cash you've got to have a contingency do you know what i mean so just be careful guys out there what's the with the development lenders we work with you, you put terms together they always want a contingency what's typically the percentage you that you would work off 10 10 15 percent yeah yeah and if you if to me if you're borrowing sort of underground to do the development stuff i probably want a little bit more yeah. contingency if i was doing that if, if we got a deal where we buy in something for like just if i'm saying underground hundred grand's worth of work that we're borrowing. I'd like to think we've got fifty percent of that build cost in there just in case of issues with builders, mm. um, materials going up and um, stuff going wrong as well. Do you know what I mean? I'm working on another a number of multi-million pound developments in South Wales at the moment, and um, yeah, some scary figures out there. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to be careful. Yeah, and I would always say if you've got a trading business in the background, always have a minimum of ten to twenty percent of your turnover. In the bank, and we—that's what we. One of the smartest things we started doing was instead of paying ourselves like a self-employed wage, we would pay ourselves a set wage, and then offset them—not offset, but take a proportion of our income and leave it in the company and let that grow. And what that's allowed us to do is, you know, factor in things like COVID, Brexit, you know, um, marketing budgets, maternity, paternity, whatever it may be. And you've, but you still got an, you can kind of make better decisions because you're not skimming from the bottom it's from the top then yeah. i'd probably say that's the best decision we've made yeah. as business partners yeah, yeah really do you know what i mean yeah of taking a set wage and then money when we need it do you know what i mean yeah because that, that's helped us grow comes back a number that, of businesses comes back to that trust as well again doesn't it yeah definitely i think and what we always say is two things that kill a business and one is greed and two is jealousy if you yeah. can el eliminate greed and jealousy and have ultimate trust of each other um, and build the business how you feel fit, like, you know, emulate what does a good business look like, good MD, good directors, sales team, administration, marketing, etc. then there's no reason why you can't achieve that. But what we see over and over again is that insecurity where greed kicks in or jealousy kicks in, he does this, I do that. You know, it all has to be fair, but um, that comes back to the conversations you're having before you even start the business. Uh, let's talk about the commercial deal we've done. Because yeah. how do we find it? So we bought a commercial bill. Yeah, sound. So there's a local guy in the area. He's um he runs little auction auction houses from um little community centre, I think. Mm -hmm. So I've always been in touch with him since I started as a broker back four or five years ago now. Um maybe a bit longer than that. And uh, he phoned me up and said we got a commercial property for sale. And obviously we were at the time looking for a home for our estate agents business as well. 
So um, yeah, we looked at it, and I think that was maybe during the um, Mill Street refurbishment. Mm -hmm. I think it was yeah. So yeah. we um, approached our private investors on that one as well, and we managed to secure that as well and do what we needed to do really. So this is where the the estate agents would find his home at first as well, but um, we had a couple of other ideas as well. <laughs> <laughs> we did. So I'll share that with the guys. Um, yeah, big commercial unit split over two two buildings really. It's really quirky. There's, it's a bit of a maze it is once you're in there. Um, it takes a couple of weeks to find out the right places to go actually. So um, <laughs> an idea was, uh, I always like to go on a little bit of a walk now and again if I need to think about some stuff. So uh, I said, come on, let's put the estate agents in there. Mortgage brokerage obviously um, helps the estate agents and see if I can find a solicitor. And then there was two other rooms going in as well. So um, fast forward to now, all the rooms are rented, tenanted on three year leases. With no, I think there's a six month break clause on some of them. So anybody into commercial property will know what I'm talking about. Anybody who doesn't won't have a clue, but we're always here to take any questions on that. Um, and yeah, we just had a refinanced, um, thanks to your good self, speaking to Nat West yeah, so on we, how to structure. So yeah, so we did a kind of, the structure was like an opco propco uh, structure, which we'll do a, I think we're going to do a podcast on, uh, it's called Funding Fundamentals, and we're going to get into what opco propco means, but it, it, in short, it's, we had an operational company um, and, a tr and, a, and a trading company, uh, sorry, an operational company and a property company. So the property company owned own the asset, and we had an operational company, Rams and White State Agents, within the asset as a tenant, but we used the trading accounts to to let to use as leverage uh, to secure better rates. So we bought the property for a hundred thousand, which yep. was a fantastic deal. There was a solicitor selling his business who owned the building. We met him luckily at the viewing, didn't we? And Correct. Kind of yeah. Got understood. He actually lived in Bath, and I was in Bath at the time, and we both travelled down to South Wales to, to do a viewing when we could have probably met in Bath and had the same conversation. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we met the property, lovely guy, sold his business, didn't need the building anymore. He wanted about, I think it was on for 150 at the time, Yeah. but we managed to get it for 100 grand. He'd been let down a couple of times, hadn't he? I think. Been let down a couple of times. We we were in, had the momentum, we were momentum investing by we every finance, we're in a strong position with our investors, and we've seen the potential there. Well, you, you certainly did know in the area, and obviously the vision for the estate agents. So we spent. We spoke to our investors. They were keen. We gave them first charge over the building. Correct. Hundred thousand pound investment. Um, we gave them a secured percentage on that. You know, and then we spent around thirty thousand. Yeah, it's about twenty five, thirty k all in to get it where it needs to be, and it's looking pretty, pretty slick up at the moment. Fair play. And we split into five offices, right? Yeah, five off five. Um, five separate businesses now that's all been done with the business rates as well which is another thing that you can learn from dealing with local authorities on um can you split buildings up do you know what i mean not to pay the council tax and stuff that actually took me six months to get through to the point of um them coming to value so valuation officer coming to do that small rates relief is that small rate yeah small business rates relief yeah. Yeah. as well um potentially a number of grants available with some local authorities as well we had a small grant on this one which helped a little bit as well mm. but yeah no it's all good it's all it's in a good position now so if you look at it from a business perspective from well, just on that one so NatWest valued that at 200 200,000 which yeah. is what we said would, would come in at so yeah. come at 200,000 so effectively for us you know we had it valued at 200 they lent us 150 
you know, we've paid off our investor, paid them their interest, paid back the money that's, that was owed. Yeah. And we have to own the asset. That effectively was no money down. <laughs> so, yeah, not exactly. In that scenario, wasn't it? Yeah, and it we, goes we back. had money to make it work, but. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's not about no money down deal because there are deals available with no money down, and this was no money down. But what we did have, we had money to carry up the refurb. Mm. So I think it's where the new investors go wrong. They go on a course and they listen to no money down deals. But you do actually have to have some money. Yeah. I mean, because we had to pay some some duty, some legals, and we had to put money in to do the works as well. Do you know what I mean? So just that, that's an important lesson to learn on. It is a no money down deal, this particular one, but we had to put money in. Yeah to get to the end product. Yeah, absolutely. So tenants are happy, building's amazing, Wales Online did a feature on it, if you wanna yeah. check that out, type in Wales Online Rams in white, and it should come up. It's a beautiful building, um, and it's you know it's amazing what it looks like now. We've called it Rams and White Property Hub, so the estate agency business there, they've sold about 250 houses over the last couple of years. I think it was their two year anniversary this month, isn't it? So yeah. credit to credit and shout out to Jay Herbert and the team over there. Um, I know we've got another project on the go that we're working on, and there's a few other deals in the pipeline, isn't there? So yeah. um, just just quickly yeah. on that commercial one, I just want to add but because we look at I always look at it from two types of um, investment. I look at it from an investment for the company. Do you know what I mean? So you've got Ramsey White estate agents and Ramsey White mortgages, which is generating us income from two sides of the business. But then from an investment side of things, so pod development as well, it's obviously a great return on investment for the uh, the money we put into the deal. So if you're a business owner, do you know what I mean? And you're renting or you're working from your house and you want to get into property, is that a potential opportunity? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So look at commercial assets. I know there's a lot of um, talk in the office at the moment about commercial deals and stuff. So there's plenty of opportunities in the commercial world. So if you're a trading business of any sort, really, um, it's always worth tapping in. And what I did just before, um, about six weeks before it was finished, I put an ad on social media in the local communities group. And I had about 15 businesses contact me to say they wanted the rooms. So quite interesting. So I thought I'd just share that with you because I think it's valuable information. Yeah, and I think that's, that is valuable. I remember seeing that post and the traction you got off the back of it. Yeah. And it's a really good point because, you know, if you look at it from an account, a tax point of view and, you know, legacy planning and structuring of a business, you can only asset in an investment company and your business can operate in the building and your trading business can effectively pay your investment company rental income which you know is paying off the mortgage and gives you surplus profit so yeah. you're making your business almost more robust and where you have more tenants in the building they're also paying so again it offsets the risks there yeah. uh, and there are different industries different sectors or whatever so again de-risk the deal um so Definitely. i love that commercial deal I'll, you know like to see more of them and we'll talk about mixed use commercial deals and how that can benefit a portfolio um and I just want to, yeah, so, you know, there's a couple more deals in the pipeline. So instead of going into them, you know, obviously the portfolio is circa seven figures now, which is which is great. Yeah. Uh, they are thereabouts. We've got some, some good income coming from there. For us, we just kind of reinvest. Um, we want to keep building the trading businesses, keep adding to the portfolio. Yeah. But, you know, our channel really is about working with investors, helping investors. So I think people come on our platform to learn. And obviously, we've learned a lot over the last few years, so we keep on learning. Yeah, what are your biggest kind of takeaways or what would you share, which is kind of current for, for investors at the moment? I mean, you've given a few nuggets, but what, what's kind of, what would you share? Yeah, um, it's always been a bit of a dream for me to build a portfolio. So one of the biggest things for me is 
some of my friends might listen to this, do you know what I mean? Um, but it is what it is. I don't really talk to my friends about the portfolio and what we do. I don't, I just ignore them. If they ask any questions, nine times out of 10, they don't ask any questions. So if you've got that idea, your goal, do you know what I mean? Speak to like-minded people. Yeah, it's a cheesy, cheesy sort of line, but I think that's really important to speak to like-minded people who are doing it, who wanna do it. Don't be afraid to do it. But just most importantly, speak to the right people. So you might need to speak to the right mortgage broker, Ramsey might, hopefully. You might need to speak to the right solicitor. You might need to speak to the right builders and everything else, but don't be afraid to reach out to these people because we can all do it, do you know what I mean? We've pretty much done it from a standing start. Um, I think if, if we go back to our conversations when we bought, borrowed the first amount of money from the investor, I mean, it's something we've never done before, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? But now we know we got confidence. We, are, we always had confidence in it, but now we got 110% confidence that we're gonna deliver anyway, do you know what I mean? So yeah, just go for it, guys. I mean, speak to the right people, go for it. But just do your due diligence as well. Excellent advice. I'd, I'd echo that. So what Paul's saying there is, uh, you know, get around the right people. Um, you know, I come from humble beginnings and I, I always say success for me is, is having the ability to start in one place but not being defined by that place. If I was let myself be defined from where I grew up, you know, there was alcoholics, drug dealers, kids with kids, you know, no one owned their own property. Um, so for me to have any success, I had to de develop the mindset, which means I could, you know, move out of that situation and propel myself forward or around a group of people that knew how to do it and were doing it, and then just sit there, learn, see if you can help, take a bit more knowledge, and then you start slowly moving into that market. And I think that's where we gelled um, at before Rams in White, where we become friends working in the industry and then having them conversations of can we do it? If we can, how would we do it? And how does that work? And that conversation went on for a long time before we got to a position yeah, where definitely. trust is built in and then we've gone through and it's been a journey. So I echo that. Um, so yeah, thank you, Paul. Uh, I want to say thanks for coming on. No worries. It's been a journey. Uh, we're going to get you back on another podcast soon because you've got loads of case studies to share. A lot of the um, listeners have said they want to listen to case studies. So you've got some awesome ones where clients are buying hotels, developing into flats, semi-commercial buildings, portfolio acquisitions. We uh, reviewed a portfolio today worth circa 67 million. So how he's built that portfolio in the last several years, you know, all that sort of stuff can add massive value to, to the guy. So definitely get you back on. Nice. Um, thank you very much for listening, guys. We've got uh, Will Roberts, who's one of the case managers here. He's also a property investor. He's coming on the show with me next week. We're going to do a mortgage update and let you know about what's going on in the markets, Will's deal, and what rates are available and all that good stuff. So tune in. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out at joel.whiteramsinwhite.com and I will be able to answer them. Paul, how can people touch base with you? How can you help the audience? Yeah, just... Um... Thanks for listening, guys. What we're seeing some value from, which is the most important, and what we're trying to achieve at Ramsey Might as well. Um, if you want to just drop me an email, paul.davis at ramseywhite.com, uh, or and uh, or give a call into the office um, and ask for me. And I'm more than happy to do some strategy calls with people and help them grow their portfolios, which is the most important.